I'd say there has never been a more exciting time to be in the energy industry in, in our industry that I've seen. And, you know, I see that excitement for decades to come. The thing that we often lose sight of or don't necessarily share to the full extent is the genuine opportunity, the real accountability, whether it's the technical challenges, the risk that we manage in a way that actually really appeals to that next generation. And I think the conversation is evolving. I think there's a lot of effort, like the effort that you're putting in to help, I think, really clarify for the world and those new students the role that we play in that solution, the importance and the role that we play in delivering the energy that the world needs, doing that safely, doing that efficiently, and doing that with lower emissions. And I think as we continue to build the narrative or clarify the narrative around the role we play in maintaining today, in maintaining and improving today's energy system, which will allow us to create the energy system of the future, you know, I'm hopeful that that story will be... Um, will tell a bit of itself. I just think the opportunity that's in front of the organization, the industry that we have going forward is as great as opportunity as certainly I've been able to realize in my career. And I'm just really excited about where the next generation takes it. You're listening to Flipping the Barrel Podcast, a women's perspective in oil and gas. We are your hosts, Macy and Jamie. And our mission here is simple, to bring you the untold stories of this industry. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Flipping the Barrel, a podcast where we interview energy leaders in the space to uncover and find out more about their careers and life journeys. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing Andy Krager, who is the Senior Vice President of BP's Gulf of Mexico and Canada region. Andy has more than 25 years of leadership experience in the energy industry. Prior to his current role, he served as Senior Vice President of Wells for the organization for six years. Andy is the Chairman of the Board of Directors of BP's Exploration and Production and is a member of the BP America Board of Directors. He is on the API Upstream Committee and a member of the NOIA Executive Committee. Andy lives in Houston, Texas with his lovely wife, Kimberly, and their two daughters. Andy, I have no idea how you have time to do this podcast after everything I just read of all the great things that you're part of. So thank you so much for spending some of your busy schedule with us today. Well, thank you for having me. Really looking forward to the conversation and excited to see where we can get with it. Well, Andy, we've had the pleasure of meeting your wife and also your daughter, Caitlin, and they're two both incredible individuals. So we couldn't wait to hear from you and get to know more about you and your upbringing. So let's just start from the very beginning. Um, so Andy, you were born in a great town in Wyoming, where you were raised by a really caring, loving, devoted family. You spent a lot of times outdoors, which I can imagine in Wyoming, there's so much to do there when it comes to outdoor activity. Not so much like in Texas, <laughs> you've got a lot of just open fields there, which is really nice. And early on, you demonstrated a lot of work ethic. You engaged in various jobs from being a truck driver to electrician apprentice to just all different sort of things that you did. Just showing that you had hard work and that hard work ethic. You inspired, actually, you had a passion for flying. So you wanted to be a part of the Air Force Academy, but unfortunately, that didn't work out in your favor. And that kind of influenced you to go into engineering. Can you talk to us a little bit about more about your childhood and how living in Wyoming and having that kind of work ethic and also having those aspirations to fly, but then having to take a step back, um, really what that taught you at such an early age? Yeah, certainly. I grew up in a very small town in Wyoming, and it was a great environment, great upbringing. 
And you talk about the various roles that I had, the jobs I had. I had a great role model, my father. He just has an amazing work ethic. And at 83 today, you know, he still works every day in his yard or in his shop. And that was kind of the the role model and the benchmark that I had growing up. And, you know, had the opportunity to start helping with him and then very quickly moved into roles in oil and gas. There were really in that small rural environment, there were really only kind of two options. You either worked in an oil and gas environment or you worked in ranching. And I had the opportunity to take on a number of roles in oil and gas. It was just kind of what we did. You know, if it was a bit of if it was broken, you fixed it with what you had. You know, I think you talk about the dream that I had at the time to fly and the life turn that I had there with that. I think, you know, what I've learned in life and really by extension in my own career is that it's never linear. I think, you know, you always have a vision of where you're headed and what you want to do, but very, very seldom is our path actually linear. And I think, you know, really what it taught me was how important it is to keep things in perspective and focus actually on what you can control. Because I think, you know, I look back at some of the biggest decisions that I faced. Oftentimes, there's actually not a right or wrong answer because often these choices are very complex. There's a lot of things that, that weigh into it, internal, external things that you can control, but there's different outcomes. And I think really what makes things, you know, right or wrong is more a function of how you relate to that outcome, you know, versus the decision itself. So, but, you know, as for flying, held on to that dream and actually some 30 years later did get my pilot's license and uh, actually went flying yesterday. And it's still something I enjoy immensely. And so, uh, you know, sometimes you take a detour. In this case, it was a 30-year detour, but there you go. I love that. And it's a passion. It still lingers there for the rest of your life. So I'm glad you got to fulfill it, even if it was 30 years later. So tell us a little bit after a few months of soul searching, you know, when this happened and then you had to kind of get back on the path in a new direction, you decided to pursue a degree in petroleum engineering at the University of Wyoming. You know, having grown up around the oil field, it only felt like the right choice. When you graduated, your first job was for BP in Alaska. Can you tell us a little bit of how you adapted from being a student to now a professional engineer working on the North Slopes with a lot of responsibility? And, you know, what advice would you give someone starting their first job today when they just got their engineering degree and they struggle to go from student to professional? My advice would actually be pretty simple. And it would be, you know, for people to just be themselves. You know, I think the challenge I see with some folks that are just starting out is they think that they need to be you know, something, some internal image they have of what the company or their supervisor, you know, wants them to be. But, you know, the people that I come across and, you know, anyone who's graduated and starting a new career, they have a great success and have realized great success already in their career. And they, I think really all they need to do is build on the habits, build on the approach that have made them successful today and to be curious. And, you know, I think, if there was one simple lesson that I learned is never pretend to know more than you do. You know, I think we have a great industry with a lot of experienced people that want to share that and leverage that. And the best way to do that is just be honest about what you know and what you don't know. I think that's so important, especially in that early stage of development. And when you're trying to learn from others and at the same time, you want to ask those questions, especially then when it's okay, it's always okay to ask questions, but definitely when you're starting out, you are able to work in the field very early on in your career. And field experience is really important for anybody working in the oil and gas space. Have that be if you're working for an operator or service company. Um, How important do you think it was for you? And what kind of experience do you think that gave you as far as understanding, you know, what the industry maybe needed or what the requirements were, and also how the field workers work and how important they are for the industry. 
Well, as you said, I think it's incredibly important. And actually, I think it's important for any discipline in our business, whether that's you're in engineering and finance, subsurface, you know, HR supply chain, you know, all of us. You know, the thing, something that people in my organization will hear me talk a lot about is that all of us here, you know, in the office, as it were, in Houston, we're actually here to support the men and women that are out there, whether that's, you know, offshore, on a drilling rig, on a platform, on a location, you know, onshore. I mean, that is our role is actually to support them. And it's so important to remember where our business really, really happens and what makes a difference. And I think, you know, the exposure, the experience that people get by working in that environment gives them a deeper understanding of what it actually takes to get things done. What are the real challenges, you know, the teams face, you know, in execution? And in some places that may be the weather, in some places it's space constraints, it's logistics. And on a personal level, it could be things as simple as, you know, working a rotation. And I just think without the benefit of really understanding and having experienced, you know, some of those various components, you know, I think it really limits someone's ability to be the most impactful that they can be. And I think it's still something today that I try to keep, you know, front and center. A very simple example is in my current role, the most basic of questions that I might ask without really thinking through the consequences can end up creating a massive amount of work. So I just, you know, I think I would highly encourage, you know, anybody, especially earlier in their career to get that exposure, irrespective of what discipline you're in, to be able to make that connection and really understand and test the impact of the choices, the decisions, you know, the work that you create and that you drive into the organization. Mm -hmm. I really like that you mentioned that not only just people in engineering should visit the field or be part of the field, but really anyone that works in the industry. Because to your point, I think sometimes it would make more sense when even if you're in logistics or supply chain, you understand maybe why things aren't working once you send them out there or why it takes certain parts. And so I think it would just, to your point, make everything better. And you can relate to those women and men working out in the field who are keeping our lights on every day. You know, one thing we wanted to ask you is you mentioned you met your wife, Kim, in college. So super early on, and you both went into the same company and had a dual career together. Uh, You've both been together for over two decades and have always supported each other's careers and ambitions and building a beautiful family. It's rare that we find these kind of couples. So we just wanted to understand a little bit about how have you guys been able to manage not only just your marriage, but your careers together. And you're both extremely successful, right? We usually see a great couple, but there's always like the leading career and then the other person that either stays home or also has a career, but isn't as successful. So it's really interesting to see just how you both managed to do this. Well, actually, I have to acknowledge it's probably closer to three decades than it is two, <laughs> but I'll take that. It will show my age. And honestly, just something I'm incredibly thankful for. I think, um, well, you both know Kim and have had the chance to talk to her and get to know her a little bit. And I'll just start with how fortunate I am to have found a partner in Kim in, in the way that I have, because it really, really starts there. I mean, I do acknowledge that. If I think about what's the approach we've taken, you know, what's worked for us, I'd like to say I think we've both been very patient, supportive, and communicate. I think communication is absolutely key. And I think what I wouldn't want to describe is a situation where, a bit like what I said before, life is never linear, neither is your career, that we had some kind of master plan that we've just been executing over the last you know, several decades. I think we've had to maintain great alignment throughout that time at different points in our career. It's meant give and take on both sides. 
because like I said, it's never linear. And, you know, I think one recognition that I would make is that you have to be really clear on what the priorities are. And I think it's collective priorities, it's individual priorities, it's priorities as a family, and that those evolve over time. They're not fixed in time as you have, you know, start a family and a number of different factors can really play in. So I've just had the benefit of, of having someone as special as Kim that I've been able to partner with. I think we've maintained good alignment, challenged each other, maintained that open communication, and we make joint decisions. My previous role, I led the Global Wells organization and knew that that role, when I was offered that role, was going to require a significant amount of international travel, almost to the extent of working a rotation. And, you know, if I just use that as one example, you know, before I accepted that role, it was something I discussed at length, actually, not only with Kim, but my two daughters as well, because it really does you know, affect everyone. So I think I think it's about being open. I think it's about being honest, transparent, and maintaining a good line of communication. And now a little word from our sponsor, Technip FMC. Macy, you know what I appreciate about them as a sponsor is their mission is directed towards a more inclusive and diverse workforce. One of the reasons why we started this podcast was to move the industry forward, and they back that belief. Their focus is creating a culture of inclusion that will attract, develop, and retain a more diverse, talented group and ensure their employees can always bring their authentic selves to work. Beyond the DNI, they're also big into technologies. They believe in change and innovation in everything they do. Their offerings range from individual products and services to fully integrated solutions with a single interface to ensure a seamless execution. Their core focus is on the energy transition emerging materials, and digital industrialization. To find out more about their most popular technologies like iProduction, iComplete, eMission, and iEPCI, go to technipfmc.com. And now, back to the show. Was there ever a time during both of y'all's relationship and career where y'all had to decide to take one role over the other, just depending on what happened based on like the family experience or the family dynamic? And if you did, how did you decide which direction to go? Because I feel like that's when a lot of people end up mm. getting into that spot where they don't know what to do anymore because they don't have equally just like they want to go two different directions. So can you help us with like people might be going through that? How were you able to make that decision? Well, I think actually it's occurred in both of our careers at different times where, you know, opportunity had presented itself and we either took that opportunity up and that had implications or we forewent that opportunity. And of course that had implications as well. And I think it's a little bit what I tried to share before, where, you know, just through that open conversation, understanding that, the choice that we had at that given time, whether it was my choice or whether it might have been Kim's choice, that there was really no right or wrong answer that was going to set us on a different path. And just kind of really being honest about what that path meant and making sure that we were comfortable with that, you know, before we made it. Because like I said, many of these decisions are very, very complex. They're not black and white. And I think, you know, just continuing to stay in that open conversation, understand kind of the range of outcomes and really making sure that both individuals, both parties are comfortable with those various outcomes is is important. And, you know, as we've talked through that in some occasions, we recognize that 
actually what we thought might have been the best path as we kind of tested that. We said, well, maybe it's actually not. So I think it's just recognizing that there's probably not a, a right or wrong decision, but how you end up relating to that choice is hugely important. And you have to be honest about that going in. Otherwise, it's going to come back. Yeah, to elaborate more kind of on this topic on just, you know, communication and also travel, you know, you had one of your first international experiences was in Trinidad and coming from a small town that maybe not be so diverse as Wyoming, going to an area that is like could be somewhat of a culture shock. And especially, you know, as your career progressed, y'all definitely had different international experiences with your family. How do you adapt to those kind of international travel opportunities, given that, especially in the oil and gas space, a lot of young people are driven to the opportunity of being able to travel globally. But although it always sounds really nice, when you end up doing it, sometimes it can have the reverse side effect on you. And it's difficult to be away from family from, you know, X amount of years, or maybe the situation isn't what you thought when you went over there. Uh, Can you talk to us a little bit about just how do you adapt to those changes in culture and what your experience was? Yeah, let me just start by saying living and working in a different culture, you know, in my opinion, is invaluable for anyone. When I think about what I got out of that experience, how I learning to adapt my style, you know, my approach, communication skills, you know, all of those things are tested and have to be adapted and modified to be successful in in that type of environment. In terms of the approach, yeah, I think you just have to go into it, you know, eyes wide open and with a, a real dose of humility about, you know, what you think to be the norm or the standard or, you know, the best way of doing those things. And I had the, the great fortune of getting that experience early in my career. You know, I think today it helps me look at issues from very different perspectives. It helps me think about things from a multitude of different angles. And it was a hugely important element of my own personal development and one that I think working for an international, you know, oil or an international energy company you know, I've been able to leverage extensively, you know, had the opportunity to work in over a dozen countries following that. And, you know, each one of them with their nuances and their individual challenges. But, you know, I think you got to go into it eyes wide open and with a real open mind to say, what can I get out of this and how can I develop? I love that you mentioned that, especially because, you know, very similar to what you said about the field is just getting that exposure to how things work very differently culture-wise and adapting your leadership style is crucial to be successful because what could work in the U.S. or Canada super well is not going to work the same in Asia or in Middle East. And so it's really nice that you mentioned that and, you know, encourage anyone who is going through their careers to accept that international role. It could, you know, not always turn out the way you think it is, but you're always going to pull positive and negative things out of it and just put that in your backpack for the next position. So on the topic of leadership, You know, we wanted to hear a little bit about your leadership journey and what do you think makes a successful leader? And maybe what are some things that you've done over that experience and career path to invest in women and the next generation in general? And also just how your leadership style has changed. I'm sure you're not the same leader as 20 years ago. So can you share a little bit about that? I think I'd start with you really have to stay in touch with what's really happening. And, you know, I think the question is, how do you do that? You know, different people have different approaches. I think my focus in investment has really been always trying to present, you know, a very approachable demeanor and, you know, inviting people into the conversation. And, you know, I think the old cliches about, you know, I always have an open door. Well, you can't just say that. I think you really have to demonstrate it and reach out and engage with the organization. I think, you know, one of the habits I have is, you know, I'll often reach, you know, well deep into the organization to get a quick update 
or information rather than kind of go through formal channels, maybe to the <laughs> maybe to the disappointment or challenges of some of my direct sometimes. I do it in a very respectful way. But you know, I think it just lets people know that you're plugged in and more importantly that you're genuinely interested in what they're doing and what they're part of and how you respond to bad news. You know, I think we can leave a lasting impression on people because there will be a balance of good news and bad news. I think beyond that, you know, I'd say having the humility to share where I've had a struggle or I've had issues or I've made mistakes is massively impactful. And that's probably one of the things that took me longer to learn in my career than other things was that openness and that transparency about what the challenges that you're faced. And like I said, you can't just say things. I think you really need to put your shoulder behind efforts. And, you know, I think we've got some amazing talent here in our organization and have really tried to support and enable, you know, what they're doing. Some of our women's organizations, like our Women in Wells or the support groups that they have, our male allies group. I think not just saying you support, but really rolling up your sleeves, understanding how you can help and getting involved. And I think it's important to give our young people, give people early in their career, you know, exposure to what they wouldn't otherwise get. One of the things that I enjoyed immensely was the started up a shadowing program in my last role. So every year we give about a dozen folks over the course of the year the opportunity to actually shadow me in my role, attend the meetings that I attended, engage with my leadership team. And, you know, I think the feedback that we got from that was just tremendous. And I'm happy to say it's been picked up by a number of other groups here in, in our company. And I think it just can make a real, a massive impact and actually take away some of the mystery or the mystique about, you know, what actually happens around the leadership team. So you just have to put yourself in other people's shoes and have the humility and the openness to learn from others. We also participated in a reverse mentoring program where, you know, I had a younger person assigned to me and they were actually mentoring me on things that I didn't know as much about, whether it's data analytics or machine learning, you know, et cetera. So I think being open to learn and open to share is something that, you, that it just goes a tremendously long way and, and you have to be involved. I think the three main things that you just said that are really important, especially with the next generation that's coming up, is transparency. They want transparency. They want to know the real you. Having that shadowing, I think that's an incredible initiative. And just then being able to see and understand more about the organization. And then the reverse mentoring. I think we can always learn something from somebody else. And it doesn't always have to be somebody who is levels above you. So I think... Those three things are extremely important going into the next generation. And, you know, you have two teenage daughters and they saw you and Kim work towards their career goals. And that's been very aspirational to them. And what kind of advice do you have for that age group that is going into the workforce in a few years? What would you tell them on their first day? You know, if you're speaking to your daughters today or their friends. I get a bit repetitive, but I'd start here because it is something that's just really important to me is just to be themselves. You know, the the success strategies and the things that have gotten them to where they are, they're equally valid in the work environment as they were in academia or in sports or athletics or whatever you know they may have been part of. Yeah, I continue to see our industry and really all industries embracing inclusion, you know, in all dimensions. And a real desire to get the most out of everyone. Having said that, you have to be in the conversation. So, you know, I think you know, the encouragement would be to be in the conversation, to bring themselves into that conversation, to be themselves, but you have to be in the conversation. 
I'm a big believer that nothing speaks louder than track record. You know, I would, you know, encourage them to think about their career, think about the development. But at the end of the day, nothing speaks louder than track record. And this is something I've certainly experienced in my career, the need to support, the need to be an ambassador for young women, young engineers, young staff in general. But it's finding that balance of taking control, understanding what it is that you want to develop and where you need to develop, asking for that help when you get it, but actually always having it tied back to, you know, what does this mean in terms of what I'm currently delivering? That's great advice. Thank you for sharing, Andy. And, you know, we had another question for you on leadership and just with 20 plus years of a career, I can just imagine how much advice you have from all of what you've been through, good and bad, right? Because like you said, no career is linear. It's not always a promotion after promotion. And so what would you tell us over all of those roles that you've had, leading variety of teams, different global perspectives, different responsibilities, some bigger than others, face several downturns? That's something we haven't really talked about that is crucial to the industry. You know, what would you say is maybe one of the biggest lessons that you've learned that kind of when you close your eyes, you think of this one moment where maybe, you know, things didn't go your way, but you grew from it? What would that be? Yeah, well, I think a bit anticlimactic, similar to what I was describing, you know, I'd share with my daughters is the most important role that you'll have in your career is the one that you're in. And I think it's just not getting so caught up in what's next, you know, that you lose sight of making the biggest impact that you can possibly make in the role that you're in today. And I think it's important to focus on that delivery and that track record and not just kind of personal expectations. It's important to be clear, you know, what you're up for and the value that you think you can add. And I've seen that both ends of the spectrum when in coaching people. I think you talk to one half of the or one, one portion of the organization that don't understand why they can't have my job in three years. And there's another end of the spectrum where folks lack the confidence to be clear about the impact that they can have and what their ambition is and how you try to navigate that. But, you know, oftentimes that simple mistake that I can see people or trap I can see folks fall into is so focused on what's next and what's after that and what's after that, that actually kind of lose sight of the real value and importance of delivering, you know, in the role that you're in. I can honestly say that's, you know, I think how I've held, I've held it in my career and still hold it to this day. But I think I just encourage people, you got to be really clear about your personal values I think place a huge amount of value on not only your behaviors, but the behaviors, you know, you expect of others and to just do the right thing. At the end of the day, if you do the right thing from the perspective of the organization, from the perspective of your own personal career or the perspective of your family, at the end of the day, that's something you can stand by. Mm, I think that's great. And I like that you talked about the role that you're in today, because I think a lot of times we forget that where you're at today is you once dreamed of, and then you're always wanting to jump to the next thing, right? So be good in the role that you're at today as well, in order to progress on to that next opportunity and to have that align with your family and your values and goals. To close, you know, we at FTB are very big on really showcasing what the energy industry does for the world. We all see that the outside world maybe doesn't feel as positive about fossil fuels. And we actually even have a fun fact Friday. We do every Friday with Combination of Liberty to show the great things that are created from fossil fuels. You know, this generation coming up, they're really big into the energy transition. They're big into trying to find new ways, new sources They're scared to get into the oil and gas industry, even though we are the ones that will change and create change. What do you have to say to those that still are maybe on the fence of, you know, what is the future 
of the oil and gas industry. Yeah, it's the challenge that we all face. And um, just appreciate the efforts that you guys are making in trying to help address that. I'd say there has never been a more exciting time to be in the energy industry and in our industry that I've seen. And, you know, I see that excitement for decades to come. The thing that we often lose sight of or don't necessarily share to the full extent is the genuine opportunity, the real accountability, whether it's the technical challenges, the risk that we manage in a way that actually really appeals to that next generation. And I think the conversation is evolving. I think there's a lot of effort, like the effort that you're putting in to help, I think, really clarify for the world and those new students the role that we play in that solution, the importance and the role that we play in delivering the energy that the world needs, doing that safely, doing that efficiently, and doing that with lower emissions. And I think as we continue to build the narrative or clarify the narrative around the role we play in maintaining today, in maintaining and improving today's energy system, which will allow us to create the energy system of the future, you know, I'm hopeful that that story will be... um, will tell a bit of itself. I just think the opportunity that's in front of the organization, the industry that we have going forward is as great as opportunity as certainly I've been able to realize in my career. And I'm just really excited about where the next generation takes it. Well, Andy, thank you for that incredible ending. And also just your perspective on not just your career, but also family life and having your daughters and a successful wife working in the energy industry, you know, really shows from your side, you know, what y'all did to collaborate and communicate and get to where you are today and all of the hurdles that you overcame and just the success that you've had as a leader and the transparency that you have shown is one thing that Mathiel and I really do appreciate about leaders like yourself, uh, those that are open and honest. And we need more of those. We need more people speaking about how they got to where they are today and showcasing really the great people in in the energy space. And so we just are very happy that you accepted our invitation. And thank you for coming on the podcast today. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for the opportunity. And more importantly, Thank you for all that you're both doing to advocate for our industry. Absolutely love your mission and behind it 100%. Thank you. Thank you so much, Andy. So if you like this podcast, please like, subscribe, leave us a comment, follow us. We're on Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you all.